Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got Ramon and Rodrigo Martinez with Wholesale Sharks. Two more guys in the Phoenix market, and they're going to be talking about wholesaling within the Hispanic community. Now, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough for you to become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. Now, we also know you want to be a successful real estate investor. At time, you may feel frustrated and anxious because you're not buying enough houses or not buying them deep enough. I know how deflating that it is walking out of the house without a signed contract. We've helped hundreds of people buy thousands of houses at deep margins. Go to millionairesupport.com to talk with my team so that you may never have to worry about revenue again. Show is also brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in Disruptors, and you'll get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Ramon Rodrigo to answer. You ready? Ready. Ready to go. All right. So uh, first question is, what was your life before real estate? Life before real estate was horrible. Um, you name it. You know, I used to sell English Bulldogs for a while until I landed on television twice, back-to-back weeks. And then I said, this is not the life for me. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more embarrassing than being chased down the park. On the television. With, for... On television with a cage full of dogs. Ah. Stop. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. No. <laughs> so... That was life pretty much trying to make ends meet like everyone else, trying to find a little hustle to make some cash to eventually get to a point to where we could do something that we feel proud of. But it's just like anyone else, you know, trying to figure out the puzzle. But obviously, it wasn't in that. I think this life was... for me was awesome. Rodrigo's life was cool. I, I thought it was amazing. He's saying horrible. For me, for me, it was horrible. <laughs> what happened to you? Well, so who's older? He's older. Um, He's older. Yeah. All right, so... This was way before you got into sales in England and all this other stuff. It was after. This right after, after. Right after. Right after. You can imagine. Cushy England job. Yeah. Traveling the country. Uh, speaking to the C-suite. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. then all of a sudden I got fired uh, after two years of doing that. Mm-hmm. And I had nothing to well, do. Well, so I, I mentioned started, to him uh, he dogs. was going to start getting commission from those types of sales jobs. And it just made sense if they fired him. Two years within, they don't pay him the commission. So that's when they fired him and started doing the, the dog stuff. Well, you were doing well, because I remember we've talked about this. I mean, you had a, um, or at least a great opportunity when you were working overseas, right? Not a lot of people have that opportunity. So let's talk about what it was right before that. Like, what brought you to England first? Yeah, so, I mean, they found me on LinkedIn. I didn't even know what LinkedIn was at the time, but mm-hmm. one of my white friends did. And so he was always bragging, hey, I have so many connections on LinkedIn. I'm like, yeah, I got more than you on Facebook. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm a, I've always been very competitive. Mm-hmm. So I created a LinkedIn. And I was like, I was adding everyone all day, trying to beat them in connections, not knowing what the purpose of it was. England company finds me on LinkedIn somehow. They're like, man, we'd like to interview for a position of a city in Manchester. I'm like, am I being pranked? I'm pretty sure I'm being pranked. Mm-hmm. But we just kept going with it. And next thing you know, I'm in England working. I'm sitting at a desk in Manchester. Because <laughs> uh, all along, they wanted an American mm-hmm. to go and represent them in America. Yeah. And I was the American that they found. I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, cool. For a week, I think we were Googling, you know, <laughs> people steal your organs, stuff like that. I'm like, they're going to, 
Feel my organs. You're gonna go to England and you're like, for whom who are these people? You know? Right. So but you landed some big accounts there. I landed some big accounts. Um the funny part about that job is that all jobs they try to do some sort of assessment test to make sure, you know, you you're competent. And for me it was the craziest math test I've ever taken in my life. I'm pretty sure I failed it horribly because they were having a conversation. Hey, we have some concerns over your results, Ramon. I'm like, and so my response was, are you looking for somebody to do math problems? Or are you looking for somebody to do sales? Yeah. Because I'm. if you need somebody to do sales, I'm your guy. But if you need somebody to do great at math, it's probably all the other guys that you probably fired before me that were great at math. Yeah. I'm here for sales. Is that what you're looking for? I got the job right after. <laughs> He's like, I love your response, man. Great salesperson it. answer. And so, I mean, I was like, what? I just... Bull, bull essing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oddly enough, though, six months in, I landed like the biggest account in history for the company, which was Starbucks. Okay, uh, what were you four, selling? Four thousand. We're doing consulting work. Mm-hmm. Where we go in and analyze all their credit card processing fees, and so then we'll go back to Visa, Mastercard, and renegotiate. Hey, you know this was going on. Our data says that they're overpaying with this much. Save the companies millions of dollars a year. We take a small cut, 20 percent mm-hmm. over a three year course. And so we landed that gig. Uh, we ended up locking up uh, Victoria's Secret right after. Gap, Jack in the Box. I mean, you name it. All the world's largest retailers. So you landed big accounts, and then the suspicion is you got fired before the commissions were paid. Yes. The commissions were about to start hitting like three, four months. But I was complaining because I've been doing it for two years. And they were about to start hitting. And everything just seemed to work out to where my complaints and the commissions were just coming around. And... I was done, honestly. Uh, two years of traveling. I was the guy who was on the plane every day for five days a week. I would never see the family. Uh, you were in England, sun- traveling back and forth to sell American companies. Yes. I'd be in England waiting for it to be daytime here to start emailing from England twice a month sometimes. Yeah. And then when I'd be back, I would just fly in to all the appointments that I would make from England. So I was just that in my life for two years. So you were talking about being on TV, and it seems like this is like a sore topic for you. Yes, it hurts. So, like, I mean, like, is this something like, I hope no one watches on TV, or is this like your family is like, Ramon, what's, what are you it doing? It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing because I landed on TV the first time my mom calls me, hey, you're on television. I was like, what? what? Where? What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. And so I was getting, my phone was blowing up from the all the news places trying to talk to me. Because when I started selling English Bulldogs right after I lost my England job, I did it because I needed some money. So I'm the worst parent in the world. I had just bought my daughter's uh, English Bulldog like a couple of weeks before uh, for like 1300 bucks. So I get back home was the first thing to go. Maybe somebody will want that Bulldog. So I added like $300 on top and sold it for 1600 and called the guy back and like, hey, bring me another one. And I, that weekend I had him go back and forth. And I, you were sold, flipping dogs. I sold six of them that weekend in two days. So I made more money that weekend than... Why were you on the news? Two years later, I was on the news because somebody's dog got sick. The first time ever. And they took, they, I ended up speaking to the people. We took it to the park when we first got it. I'm like, dude, it's a baby. It's going to get sick. If you can't, you need to be in, indoors until get all the shots. Yeah. So I ended up giving them their money back and letting them keep the dog. I'm like, I don't want any issues. Uh, but after the second time that happened, somebody complained. I'm like, I'm done. That's when I reached out to Rodrigo. Now, you said life was awesome. Mm-hmm. What were you doing for real estate? Well, not a lot of people know, but uh, we used to sing in a band, like a child Mexican mariachi band. That's what band. I was thinking when it's like Life for Real. So you guys had a mariachi band. Like, how was yeah. that awesome? I mean, it, it, for me, it was awesome. Um, you know, you're in high school. People know you because of the band. So I think that's where it helped 
me and him be partners. I know a lot of companies usually don't work the partnership. Um, well, for us, it's always been, you know, we're in a band, we both sing, learn the songs, you know, we get in a rhythm. So I always knew that we should be in business together somehow. Uh, so I got the band finished. I got my own job, architectural designing for a company called Intel, doing designs and all that stuff. Which I think you used to work at. I always well. work at Intel it, as well, yeah. It, it, it did the whole, my light stalking. Yeah. <laughs> did the whole fab stuff, designing all this stuff. But what happens is when you're in a band and you are come from an artistic background where you enjoy just being free, um, you get put in a cubicle, you just hate it. So what happened, I just hated that kind of life. So everything changed the second that uh, Ramon said, hey, you should get your license. And I said, okay. I'm quitting immediately. So I quit the Intel stuff without even having any background in real estate. Mm -hmm. um, got my first couple of deals. Ramon's like, hey, I want to take you to uh, to China, which is, I don't know, for my birthday. He's random. And then I was like, okay, I was going through some weird breakup stuff and he didn't even know, but I said, okay, screw it. Uh, I don't like flying on the plane. I hate all this stuff. The crazy part with that was um, it was my first commission check or second commission check. I paid the the whole flight. We came back, and then me going back to a nine to five in a cubicle after being in China, Japan, uh, like we flew all over just on my two commission checks for real estate. I think it was like ten grand of just spending all that money on flying back and forth. It did something to me. Like I couldn't be there anymore. Like I saw the world even bigger. So that that pushed me to do something else. And Ramon's like, "Hey, you should do this full time." Um, meanwhile, I was trying to get him to join me. And he was still doing all these sales with Toyota Secret. So I was waiting for him to quit and come join me. But uh, the, the moment he got fired, I was happy. I yeah. was like, oh, he got fired about time. He can join my real estate <laughs> stuff. But unfortunately, he was going to finish his test that same weekend or the Monday afterwards. And he's like, hey, I just sold like 10 dogs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no way, man. Uh, he's being profitable now. So he didn't quit. And then so he started doing the dog stuff and was making more than me um, in traditional real estate. Uh, eventually he quit again and then joined me uh, by getting his license. So you were a successful realtor. I was making about a hundred plus a, a year. I, I, a they gave me a pin. Did you uh, do so much? On the traditional side, yeah. Pin so giver. Ramon seems to be more on the adventurous, spontaneous slash crazy side. Mm. Yeah. How was it when you guys first started working together as a realtor? It was duo? horrible. Well, the, I always go back to the thing that my mom would always say when we go on to tour the United States. Um, remember I'm like three, four years younger than him. So my mom would say I'm 13, 12. Hey, Rodrigo, take care of your older brother, Ramon. <laughs> like on every trip, take care of, your, care of Ramon. And I'm like, why? He's older than me. Like why? He's like 17 and I'm like 12. Hey. Well, I mean, he's usually spontaneous. He says yes to everybody. Hey, want to go over here? Yes. You want to do this? Yes. So, but I think that helps because that opens up so many doors. And it was the same thing with, uh, with real estate. You know, he takes bigger chances than anybody else. Even the, with the markets recently or last year, he goes big. You know, he, he, if you tell a story of how you got started, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to start the company with all these credit cards he was using. So if he didn't have any money, he was using all the credit cards to pay for all these softwares, all these things. So, But uh, the reason why I say it was horrible is because I, I tried. The moment I got my license, first of all, it took me like four uh, tries <laughs> to get the license. I, couldn't, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't, Maybe it was the math section. The math section, I'm pretty sure. So the, I had a client, uh, I showed him like 10 houses. By the end of it, he's like, is, is there any more? I'm like, no, that's it. There's yeah. more houses, that's it. This is a and client was, that I shared at me. and I took him, you know, like training day. He like show him these houses and I'm driving and then he's like, they want to see more. But the guy asked, hey, do you have any more? And he says, no, there's no more. 
And I was like frozen. And then they're like, oh, I told the clients, hey, totally oh, there is more. And then he wanted to be, I'm a listing agent, he said. So you started doing the listing side as well. Mm-hmm. Did you do well on the listing side? I sucked at that as well. <laughs> the first time they canceled on me, I went and grabbed my phone. You, why'd you cancel? And uh, that was horrible as well. So then I realized that I sucked at listings and at showings. So I'm like, what is there for me? There's nothing. Like I suck yeah. at this. And then we stumbled onto wholesaling. So when did you, when did you start uh, the the realtor side? Uh, six years ago. Six years ago, six years and ago. then you started two years after that. Yeah. And then when did you guys start wholesaling? Or flipping, whichever, however you got into it. So we stumbled onto it by accident. He wanted to build a mansion on top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. And he bought a lot, like in Levine area, for like 30 grand or something. And meanwhile, somebody was offering him like 50 grand. He's like, but how do I do it? They're like, don't worry, I'll help you out. He was wholesaling it, not even knowing. I don't even know what it was. He didn't even, yeah. He's like, I didn't even pay for it, and I got money at the end. I was like, that, how do we do that? <laughs> we started Googling. Yeah. And wholesaling came up, and we're like, okay, well, that's, I'm going to give that a try. Yeah. Maybe we could do more of that. That's when we stumbled onto like Real Estate Disruptors, Max. And all so that. I think Real Estate Disruptors was the first event we went to. That was the first event where we yeah. first met you. I, I, I recall Ramon's like, hey, I got this event. And I looked at it. I was like, well, I, I don't want to go because it's I don't know what wholesaling is. First mm-hmm. of all, it's not traditional real estate. So he's like, there's going to be food. And I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> so That was the catch. I recall the food. And it then the, uh, Buster. Yeah. yeah, so I was excited about that. And then once we got in there, I'm like, I know couple of these guys here they're realtors i'm like okay so it might be pretty cool it was such an amazing event for me because to find so many people speaking the same language that i wanted to learn i was just like in heaven i'm like oh my god every single person there's so many people that were new as well so yeah i didn't feel like i was left out or like i wasn't worth as much as everybody that knows everything because there were new people there so i'm like hey and i was making connections with everyone trying to you know learn as much as i could and it was just great it was amazing i think and then we're waiting always for the other one. When's the next one? I haven't yeah. seen the invitation. Yeah, we well, see those every month. So um, how long? So you did the first one by accident. Tell me about like, did you immediately do another wholesale deal? Or was it like some time transpired before you figured out what was like, how to, how well, to repeat it? Well, for Ramona, I remember we wanted to do a flip, a fix and flip. And mm-hmm. uh, he ended up wholesaling like one of your first or second or wholesale deals to me so he's like hey I'll, I'll wholesale i'll sell you a deal I'll wholesale so i think he locked it up too high because mm-hmm. we didn't make any money on that we actually lost money but uh that was his first one of his first that he sold to me and we got further into the wholesale game for that we were all over the place man we were at the court steps at some point we're out there just waiting trying to pick something up with one of our buddies let us borrow a ten thousand dollar cashier's check mm-hmm. that trusted us Chava, saludos. Yeah. That guy, he probably funds most of the wholesalers that you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Mexican dude that does construction. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he actually used to work with Pace for a while. He used to do all his projects. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool guy. He trusted us because he was he used to hire our band a lot. And so he gave us a check for 10000 bucks. We met him at a Applebee's. Yeah. Hey, man, we need a cashier check for ten grand. we are going to go to the court steps. We're going to try to get a deeply discounted deal. And we'll cut you in. You know, you fix houses. Like, well, let's let's go. Just gave us a check the next day. I sure. was asking, where are you going to get this money? Like, nobody's just going to give you I'll $10. Find a guy that has money. You found a guy. And so, how did, you, how did you find that guy? He said, just, well, he was renting me a house. Okay. But also, he was renting me a house because he used to hire the band to play for his parties. He used to parties. hire us. Hire we were us his band, band for his parties. He liked but the did music. you know he had money? 
we didn't know he had money, but we would always see him fixing houses and this and that. So we're like, maybe we assumed maybe he has a little bit of money, and then yeah. he helps us fix them too. And well, because I, I like what you did here, right? And it sounds like really obvious when you listen to it. But there's so many people like I don't know where to get money from. Where do I go? Right? Yeah. They just assume it's like other people don't have money, so you just we didn't know. Well, okay, so actually, yes, this is how we this is how we found out he had money. We were trying to help his dad buy a condo for like 30 or 40 grand. Uh-huh. And so the realtor was like, hey, uh, we need proof of funds. And so, hey, we need proof I of recall. funds. And he sends us a picture of his bank account, multiple six figures. I'm not going to say this yeah. the right amount, the exact amount. Multiple six figures in there. And I'm like, oh, this guy has money. And so that's how we put two and two together. Then it's only 10, man. We'll try to find you a good deal, blah, blah, blah. So you guys, went over, in. You guys overpaid. We overpaid. So, so how that deal work out? So, so we wholesale the deal to him for 5K more, and we made 5K up front. And then when we sold it, we lost 5K, but we were like, we're not going to screw this relationship up over five. So we, we asked everyone for money, and then we gave him back five that we had lost because mm. we were losing money. We gave him back his five and he made that we were losing, and then we gave him another 2,000 that we came up with so he could be like, Profitable. have a good experience. We're the ones that lost. Mm-hmm. But then he trusted us again, but now we're more careful. Needless to say, we're like losing money left and right, trying to learn, trying to learn, trying to learn. We're like, one of these days, we're going to make something. The second deal that we did, I made $180 when everybody split the, oh, yeah. the profits at the end. In your time, I mean, you lost all your time. I spent a month cleaning a hoarder house that, w- that we bought at an auction. Yeah. The worst experience of my life. I paid money for people to clean it. And at the end, when they gave him my cut, he transferred me $180. But we didn't lose money. Well, I mean, I guess I lost cut money for the cleaning. So, like, what was your initial reaction when you got the $180? I was kind of happy. There's money coming in. But it was still... It's better oh, than zero. Yeah, because we had to go to court and this and that. And it was just a long experience. I would never end. I think that's uh, that's where I sharpened my skills. Um, I made sure I learned the whole process of flipping. Where did I get the container bins? Who do I call yeah, the courts? Cleaners. We went through the court process with the the lawyers, so we're just sharpening skills. I mean, we learned about probate, all these different things. We lost money all the way, but uh, I think once we really needed those skills, they kicked in, which was all last year and the year before. That's when we were we were our sharpest. Well, I think were you guys discouraged? Uh, I mean, in this process, we were super discouraged, but I think now it's a blessing in disguise. Because a lot of people say fail often and as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows we were failing super fast, faster than anybody we knew. Because yeah. everybody wins except us. And then we went in another flip with another cousins. We lost again. So we, every single experience was a loss, but it was a different type of loss. And he he had like 50 grand saved at some point yeah. from, from the wholesale deal that he did. And we lost it in another flip. All his money was gone. We, he lost the whole 50. So we're like losing left and right and learning and learning and learning and learning. And I said, okay, yeah, we're the only ones that lose at everything. But guess what? Once we win, we're going to be the only ones that win too. Mm-hmm. You know, fast forward, you know, four years, like we did $6 million last year. Yeah. You know, when before we were the ones losing left and right. And nobody would lose but us. Nobody wanted to lose. Our family, oh, it's too bad that you lost, but I need my money. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we would always lose. Like we were the biggest losers. And now, you know, like I could say, okay, well, we lost at the beginning a lot. But also right now at the end, we're winning a lot. And the yeah. thing is that you, you become sharper since you're betting more on yourself. Um, if Ramon was picking up 12 houses, 15 houses, 20 houses, just in one week, we'll pick them up, 
immediately put them through the ringer of let's list them, let's post them, let's do whatever we have to do ASAP. Yeah, I think the biggest loser also has the biggest experience. Yeah. You know, because you have to go through all the scenarios and some people only lose once. But that means that they only learned once, mm-hmm. you know, but if you go through every single horrible scenario possible, you're going to have to be so so much more experienced. Yeah, our first flip fell out of contract, was it seven times? Seven times. Seven times. Uh, I was painting the tree at we, one we point. I thought it was the tree. tree. So I grabbed tree. paint, normal paint. I was painting the white, tree white, white around to make it look like a park. It was nice. I saw a video of me at, at midnight trying to get out of that deal, painting yeah. a tree. Uh, Vincer <sighs> came around there, which is canceled. Horrible. And then, okay, well, let's... Is it the tree? I was painting the tree at midnight. So we picked up a lot of skills to be able to make sure things sell first time. Mm. Uh, we were, Now we just hire an inspector before we enlist. Everything's fixed. We usually hire the, the inspector that I hated the most that would bring in bring up anything, like any mm-hmm. small item. That's my guy for our what, flips. Uh, I mean, when you, as you guys were discouraged, what kept you guys going? Because it's easy to quit. You said, you know, the person that quit fails once, right? Learns once. Like, how did you guys uh, get through that? Um, I, I, well, well, this is the thing. Uh, we were never in it for the money. So us not getting money wasn't really getting us discouraged. We were in there for the freedom and the time and to be able to hang out all day. Hey, I was hanging out with my brother till midnight. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Right? We're working. We're trying to change our lives. And I think that's a that's a good point to make. People that get into real estate thinking, I'm going to get into real estate because I need to make a lot of money. Like, they're going to be discouraged from day one because you don't make money in real estate day one. Hell, you might not make money in, in year one, but if you get into real estate with that mentality, you failed from day one. And every time that you fail, it's going to feel horrible. But I got into real estate for freedom and happiness and be able to hang out with the family. So guess what? From day one, I was winning. From day 100, I was winning because I never, I was already getting what I wanted, you know? And then eventually some money would slip in somehow. It's only a matter of time, but I was happy every day. On my side, I think uh, I never do it for the money either. I Mm would have just stayed as an engineer, architect, and I was already moving up like crazy. I, I think uh, I was able to work in that he world. He quit his way to the top. I, I quit. I literally quit, quit my way to the top. Every company I worked for, I became so good where I would say, hey, I'm going to quit. I got a better offer, which I didn't. And I would tell them I'm doing it again. And they would give me a raise. And then I would quit. And a promotion. Show these other guys, hey, I just made more. And this is what I'm coming in at. And then I would spend a year, become very valuable, get a raise before I quit. And then I kept doing it. And then uh, at some point I was making like 45 bucks an hour and like four years or three years of doing that. But I learned to work with a lot of teams. That's what I was telling him. My, my engineer mind is working with multiple trades, which is the same thing here. I told him there's no difference. You depleted your savings though. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that didn't... All well, I mean, I never had savings. The only reason I had those savings and those flips was because I ran into wholesale without even knowing, right? So I had enough from those couple of ones. And I was been a big spender. I just I just spend it all, but I think I'm able to create more money out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I I think not seeing it like a, a job makes it seem like we're getting free money. Even though somebody would say, "No, you work. You've been putting the work." But for us, since it's not a job, it's not work. Yeah, Therefore, when enjoy. we lost fifty k, his fifty k, we're like, "Eh, it's free money." Yeah. <laughs> you know, that we would always call it free money, even though we it's had worked. Money. And somebody say, hey, "You work for that." For us, it wasn't work. You know, we were going and it was showing up and we're like, ah, free money, man. So good. I want to put you on the spot a little bit. So you said it's not about the money, yeah. right? But on uh, on Instagram, right, yeah. you're in front of your Lambo. I, I can't remember what color. Is it gold? Gold, yeah. Oh, the yellow one. Yellowish, yeah. goldish. Yellowish, goldish, right? Salt and gold. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so, you know, like when you say it's not about the money, but you're posting, you know, pictures of the Lambo on your Instagram, like what message are you trying to send? That I don't care about money. 
First time I got money to afford a Lambo, I gave it away mm-hmm. to the Lambo company. Yeah. I could have kept the money if it was about the money. Right. But to me, it wasn't you, about the money. Oh, how much you need? A hundred? I just happened to grab a hundred this week. Here, w- take it. Well, in reality, if it was about the money, you keep the money. I keep the money. And right. then, but I gave the money away for the Lambo. Gave, Luckily, yeah. it appreciates and I can still get my money back right now. Yeah. I've, I've gotten offers higher than what I got So it's it about the Lambo, not the money. So it was about the Lambo, not the money. And the money's <laughs> yeah. in there, you know, and I think. I don't think I rushed the Lambo, to be honest. Because, I mean, I could have gotten the Lambo right a while back when I made my first 100K. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have rushed it, and I think it would have been wrong. But at this time, I think we had gotten enough skills and enough development and enough losses and enough. We tried everything, every single marketing strategy. And now, like, even if we, if buying the Lambo was the wrong decision, it was the right decision for me because it made me feel good. It made me feel like, you know, it gave me more strength to keep going every morning when I wake up and I see that thing and motivates me. When you're having the worst day of your life and you're leaving your office and you get into your Lambo and you're borderline crying and upset, driving on the freeway in your fucking Lambo, you <laughs> tell yourself, I'm driving in a Lambo. <laughs> okay, I had a horrible day, but I'm driving in a Lambo. Back in the day, I used to drive in my little Honda and had a horrible day. Yeah. Uh, I think the Lambo is more like a marker. When you get a huge win and you get that Lambo, you you marker that moment. So every time you get in the Lambo, you feel like how you felt I, when you grabbed I, the Lambo. I so. remember you used to tell me like this all the time based on that was, I would ask him, hey, we can do one flip. You're like, Matter of fact, <laughs> I brought you a gift. Boom, there you go. Thank you. you got it. <laughs> so, and that's the same color, right? So the same color, replica. So I remember you used to tell me all the time, it was like, I would question because I'm about, you know, mitigating risk. This is crazy. Everything does is crazy. In my mind, it's crazy and I wouldn't do it myself. Why are you spending so much on this, spending so much on that? How, why so many flips? Um, so the biggest thing was, I would ask him, why are we getting 12 houses just in one week? Are you crazy? He's like, well, I want to know if we're capable of doing it. And I'm like, what do you mean? We're capable? Well, I want to test us. He's like, I want to know how many houses are the, uh, 20, is it 20 houses a month that we weren't able, to, we're not going to be able to be at that level. And like with anything we did, he would just go above and beyond to see if we're able to hold that pressure and actually live up to that. He said, if we're not able to do 20, okay, was it 10? Is it five? Is it three? Well, we I knew at the know. beginning that our, le- our level of pressure was one. We would fail with the one and then we would try again and fail again. And eventually, yeah, two, like three. how many do we need to fail? Like I was trying to find out where our boiling <laughs> point of failure is. 10? Yeah. No. Okay, we did great with 10. 12? No. 14? You know, and I think like our point of that's enough. It was like around 13 or 14. 13 or 14. Yeah. I mean, just being us two and then our small, tiny crew. So it wasn't. But then that also gives you a lot of industry knowledge, like going through all those different scenarios with buyers and sellers. You see, you have your pulse in the market. Whereas right now, if you tell me, would you buy 13 houses right now? I'll say no. Because I bought five right before the thing went horrible. Because I'm always testing, like, what's the number? I wouldn't buy one. Like, I'd be hesitant to buy one right now for flip fixing. What, um, what are some struggles that you guys face, right? You're growing up to 13. What are some of the struggles you faced? Just manpower. I mean, you know, we had a small team. It was just my parents and their my friends. Parents and their friends. That yeah. they made at the Home Depot. And at, at that many houses, like, we just, we didn't have enough people covering all the houses. So they would sit longer because nobody was fixing them. And, like, you, you either grow the team or you don't. And we were mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't think we can grow the well, team. Well, I, I think it was great having ha- too many houses. Uh, it made us sharper, smarter. Uh, most of the houses, I already knew we could probably wholesale half of them. So we're like, okay, we'll wholesale half of them, um, sell them 
to someone that wanted to do a flip. So we were able to connect to more, with more people because we needed to get rid of these houses somehow. We started getting more creative on that side. But uh, we wouldn't have been we wouldn't have been able to find all these other routes if we weren't had that massive amount of pressure to get rid of them. Um, so being comfortable would have just not made us grow at all. Yeah. Who uh, who guided you guys along the way? Um, I'm just friends, really. I mean, reaching out to people. Um, your team has always been very helpful. Whenever we have any questions, we reach out to your team, and we'd always they'd always be available to answer and. Um, just having those relationships from going to events and asking people questions and this and that. But honestly, sometimes we could be a little bit stubborn and not ask questions and just land on our face. Because yeah. we, sometimes we, we feel like people think we know everything. So we can't ask people questions because they're going to know that we don't know everything. Yeah. So we've landed on our face plenty of times. I mean, you know. Well, you were in our program for a bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. Which you is didn't... an amazing program. I highly recommend it. That program made me so much money. Yeah. Insane amounts of money. I think you were giving it away too. I'm like, what yeah. a great deal. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about it right, right now. Your first event was our free event at Dave and Buster's. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The first Where one. you had Carlos Reyes. Yeah, walk in yeah with, it was the first one. With the. That was that was the first one. With the, the they walk in with the Memphis Mafia behind. Oh no, they had a mafia. No, Carlos was Carlos was dressed <laughs> yeah. up pretty good. <laughs> I uh, but I didn't realize like that you know you guys started there. That's, that's where we started. That's awesome. Yeah, he, That's he dragged insane. me. Ramon dragged We're me. standing there and I was like, uh, <laughs> I recognize that Mexican. Uh, <laughs> and it was Max. Like we ran, he actually used to list all the houses for Max. Was, like was Max's real So somehow he was connected to the guy that you had right there. Mm -hmm. And like, oh my God, like what a small world. Yeah, I think he yeah. had, had uh, separated from his partner or something mm -hmm. happened. And then and I didn't see him anymore. I'm like, and this so is a he sign. sent me a flyer. I'm like, okay, well, is there food? So I was there. He's like, I know that guy. He's like, oh, yeah. I, I know that guy. He's like, who is that guy? Okay, he used to put cool. his banner of We Buy Houses in front, inside the mall and his little yeah. realtor kiosk. And so the, the support that we had along the way, me just thinking about it, I've always uh, tried to um, find someone that's seasoned. Uh, I have a couple lenders that I work with that helped me all from the start of a real estate. You know, when I was a realtor and I started, and they would give me a bunch of buyers. They would give me a lot, a lot of listings. But I would always lean on them, title companies, escrow officers that I still know and help us a lot. Um, I always figure that I don't know enough, but I want to learn. So I would uh, always make these calls to these loan officers, these other investors that I know or title people. Um, I've been a big believer that if you're an amazing plumber is because you know what the electrician is going to do, what the HVAC guy is going to do, what the concrete guy is doing, because if you're going to put your pipe here and the AC goes there, you're going to have to move it. Electrical goes here, you have to move it. Same thing with like with Intel, I was telling him that I have to know where I have to be at, but for me to be great, I have to know where everybody has to be at. Mm -hmm. Same thing here, like the wholesaler has to be at this price. Title knows that they have to be at this price for the deal to work. The buyer at the end has to buy it somehow. So if I have all these things in my mind um, and everybody's happy, everybody knows where they have to be at, it's a successful deal. And luckily to that, we don't have many deals that fall off. Um, and that's made us, you know, put more deals on the board. Um. Tell me about some of your guys' biggest victories. Um, I think biggest victory is really not monetarily. Uh, it's more it's more about being able to have the life that you can give your kids that you wanted, that you always dreamed of. Um, and for me, I always visioned every single thing about my life. Like I would have pictures of mansions and and then I would add a little car in front of the picture. Then I would crop myself in there like a vision board kind of. And I still have those vision boards and just visualizing that. 
Sometimes I would lay in the in my backyard while it was raining and just visualizing. I would I would daydream in the middle of the rain, just sitting there, like trying to force it and make it happen, make it happen. My wife has a picture of me just laying there in the middle of the rain, just visualizing our next life. And next thing you know, like I'm there. I'm inside the house. I'm in I'm in front of the Lambo. And, you know, just being able to offer that life to my kids is amazing. Because they grow up so quick, you know, like what, they're three, four years away from being 18. The other one's three, four years from having a quinceanera. Those moments go fast. So for me, uh, I'm trying to sacrifice myself right now and give them that as a gift of their childhood. And then, you know, later on, I could do other things. But right now, uh, I think that's my biggest win, being able to hurry it up and give them that as quickly as possible. You know? Yeah, that's I, awesome. Could I be more smart with my money? Could I? Did I need all those things? No, because you don't need those things for kids to feel loved and, you know. But that's just my vision. When I was growing up, you know, I would always see it on TV and I, Dumb and Dumber movie, they would show up with a fancy car. And, <laughs> like that, I grew up with that, you know, and yeah. that's just what I wanted. And I, real estate allowed me to, to do that. Um, luckily, I rode a great wave when everything was going great to allow me to get that now. Now we're more conservative, but we're also smarter because of all the L's that we've taken. It's crazy how he can say uh, that his, that's his why motivation, but me and him were completely opposites. Like I'm not married, I don't have a wife, I'm single, so I, I what's your why? You know, he he'll do it for the kids and all this stuff. Um, and I mean, for me, it's always been uh, some kind of satisfaction that you created something amazing that that worked. And I think that's more coming from my engineering architectural mind, where I want to build something that people can see that it worked and and be proud of it. So I'm I never do things for the money. I always think of myself more of, have you seen that movie, The Spartans? You mm -hmm. know, they're all just going there. Like, they're not doing it for money. They're just fighting for, hey, for victory. So I've always been the kind of guy that I don't want to, I don't want to be the, the, uh, the weakest link. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we're going to succeed. And then I'm just going to bring my A game. I, I don't care about the money. I just want, feel like the victory. Okay, we're making this thing work. It's satisfaction. satisfaction. And honestly, I mean, if I'm thinking about it with a little bit of thought, for us, like one of the biggest wins is this being on the show. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, because yeah, yeah. it's never been about the stuff. I could care less, um, because I mean, you don't bring just anybody on the show. Right. We've we've hinted for the longest we, time. We stalked Steve for years. <laughs> we stalked you for years, Steve. Like we chased you to Hawaii <laughs> a couple times. True story. Yeah. Like true story. Yeah, that no, we've bumped into each other in Hawaii. Hey, yeah, Steve, how you doing? Such in the lobby by the pool. Random. <laughs> <laughs> and the third time you didn't see us, but we didn't want to make yeah, it out. Yeah, the restaurant. So for, for us, I mean, to see all the people that you've had on here, amazing, super humans, like it's very humbling. And, and, I, and I know for a lot of people out there, just like us, that maybe are starting or have been in for a minute, this is like their holy grail, you know, like yeah. being able to, to come to, to this show because, you know, like all of the smartest people in the world and in real estate and wholesale have passed through here. And this is, for us, I mean, this is amazing. Like you can't, you can't pay your way into the show. We've no. tried. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> how much do you need, Steve? Come on. Like, what the do you? Growth. What does Steve need to have us on the show? Like, what is it? I don't know, man. He just won't have us on the show. And then, for, and all of a sudden, we get a message. Hey, Steve wants you. Like, I don't know where. What did I text you, Annette? I text Annette. Oh. My God. Yeah. I texted her. Oh my God. I'm like, I thought it was going to be like 10 years or something. And all of a sudden, for that, um, this is something very, very important to us, like for reals. And even with the, I think the Wholesale Sharks event is the crazy part with that. We're waiting for the next, the next one to go. And then Ramon's like, hey, we, we want to make a small little meetup or something. 
and that was all based on the what you guys had the disruptors event every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crazy part about Ramona is supposed to be at a hundred people event at the bottom of our office, and then I know he's like we're up to a thousand, and we're like we can't fit them here. Insane. I didn't um, know how that. We're happened. looking for quinceanera venues to hold it at, and eventually he's like the Sheraton. Or, That's how the events yeah. got started. <laughs> we were supposed to make it a small one. Do we have a thousand people registered? I don't yeah. think they're gonna fit downstairs. And so that just kept on going. I'm like, as long as people keep signing up, we'll keep doing them. Um, the, giving back to the community. And, and they've always been free. Like that was the 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 same thing, like with you guys' event. Mm-hmm. It was free. Like anybody can go and join. If it would have cost anything, five bucks or anything, Ramon probably would have gone at that moment. It's like, hey, we can't spend this money. But uh, it just opened the doors for so many people. You guys did it. So that's our, our same mindset on our side. Just make it free. You know, you don't know whose lives are going to change. Yeah. No, yeah. oh, I mean that's huge, right? Because yeah. again, I didn't I had no idea that my event was your guys' first yeah. event. So that's, that's that was, yeah. I mean it's like a full, yeah, full yeah. well a wholesaler told me, Are you going to this disruptors event? I'm like, what is that? Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. a real estate event where all the whole he was just giving me all the information. I'm like, Yeah, we're going. I didn't even know it existed. Yes, yeah. we're going. We were there, he didn't even go. <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> like, oh my God, this is amazing. What is the the biggest uh purchase or deal you guys have done? I guess just my personal property, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rest is just, you know, it varies. Uh, we try to to purchase under like 500K mm-hmm. properties. That's kind of our niche. We don't really try to go above that. But I mean, my personal property, I guess that's probably it. Um, I feel, I didn't feel that great when I purchased it. I felt like, oh my God, what am I doing? It's too, nosebleeds. I can't keep this up. Like how long until they take it away from me? Yeah. And and then, but to to me, I said, I'm either going to grow into the person that lives here and can afford this, or they're just going to take it from me after a while. And I'll say, hey, it was fun. Well, it lasted. Yeah. And it was like 50-50. I'm like, which one is it going to be? Well, I love that mindset because you can't lose with that mindset. Right? If they take it all and you start over, like, you're just, just going to keep going. It's going to make the book that much better. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, always I don't think the, the grind has even stopped as our level of how much we're actually wanting it i don't know what it is to be honest we just want it so bad and uh like for me i'll be at a starbucks there's a luckily there's a 24-hour starbucks near my house i didn't know they had those i always send pictures to this guy like uh 1 a.m in the morning what are you doing at the starbucks like i'm looking for properties i'm doing this and that and that i don't do it every property that, that i find that it's a deal in our mind we're like hey that's our new cancun trip taking all whole family like we don't we want to create new business to be able to pay for these things. We don't want just want to like take the money. Um, well, let's talk about that, right? Because the one thing I really do like seeing, you know, in your guys' stories is you're mm-hmm. consistently taking your family, right? Yeah. yeah, sometimes it feels great when everything's going right. But when the business is going a little bit hectic, we remember, oh, my God, we flew 20 people to Cancun. Oh my <laughs> God, from Mexico. The, the crazy part <laughs> for that, like, I'm so opposite in the sense that I'm conservative. I don't want to spend every dollar, whatever, before, like, before we work together. Um, he's just been going crazy with the trips. But I find that okay now. Like, I understand why and the purpose of time. Mm-hmm. So once you start uh, knowing that time is valuable, not because I might have a lot of time, unless I get run over or something, but but my grandma doesn't have a lot of time. You know, hey, she doesn't have the, the 100, uh, you know, whatever years, 20 years. Um, so I think we're just doing it because based on other people's time, you know, my parents' time, um, maybe my uncles that are a little bit off, you know, uh, we, we try to make sure that we're taking these people on the trips that we want to give them memories. And, and a lot of people say passive income. I said like passive memories, you know, I want to have all these memories this year. You can't remember something that you did in a year that you didn't do anything. 
So that whole year is like shot. Um, so we make sure we're heavily investing in memories instead of like houses and stuff like that. But I know it, it might be feel different for other people that that's a mentality. Hey, I think it's yeah. awesome. I think yeah. it's inspiring. So yeah. uh, another odd question is uh, we did a deal last year. I think it was last year, right? Where we made a 50K assignment fee. And you You're welcome. <laughs> have a very abundant mindset, right? So one of the things that we find is there are some people who are like, I can't believe you made this much money on me, right? Like, you, this is ridiculous. But that's not your perspective at all. Not so, at all. So talk to me about that because I think there's a lot yeah. of uh, people out there that don't quite have that mentality. I'm always looking for everybody to win. And, and it's weird. Like, I've some guy I, I put on Instagram the other day, hey, man, I'm looking for a deal here. Somebody texted me and introduced me to another person. The next day, I had a deal that the guy said, yeah, send me the contract. I sent him that deal to that one person that introduced me. I said, hey, send him the contract, lock him up. We'll go 50-50 on it to make up for you introducing me to this person. Like the very next day, I was trying to repay back. Even yesterday, somebody assigned a contract to us, and they're like, hey, man, um, if you give me the deal back, I'll give you an extra 2500 And I, and I knew we were making like almost 20000 on the deal. And I said, L- listen, let's do this, man. How much are you making on the deal? Because if you're making uh, X amount, or if you're making less, we'll just go 50-50 with you. Yeah. Like, it's all good. Back. I don't want you to make less than us. And so we ended up just chopping it up. Like we we're making like five more. Hey, it's all good, man. Let's just go 50 50. Like we have an extra five than you. What are you making? 10? Mm. Let's both make 15 and let's just move forward. So we're never about that mentality about just me, 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 me. Yeah. Like we love seeing people win because at the end of the day, these are the people that are bringing you deals. You want them to be alive because what happens when they make money, like their marketing gets stronger. They can invest in more training, they can get better. And that makes you better as well. Like I think I don't a, lot, see myself. a lot of people don't see that from Ramon. He he actually gave a card to a wholesaler that was down on his luck. It was in what Atlanta or something like that. Yeah. And the crazy part, he helped them with that car that, that helped him so much in his life. He started doing more deals, and he even sold a deal to Pace. Right? He met him over there. Yeah. Like, hey, this is wholesaler brought me this deal. He knows you guys. He knows Ramon. He was sleeping in inside the, of the post office. In the post office, and Ramon yeah. had the pictures. He has the video and. He bought him a car from here. It was, in, it was just ten thousand dollar car. But remember, was it was it Earl? Earl, Earl. yeah, yeah. So you know, you don't know who you're gonna help, but he usually does that to a lot of people. That guy's turned his whole life yeah, around. He turned the whole life around. I think he's living like a golf course right now. He's doing really well. I think he owns a golf course or something. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. And and I I didn't do it with the expectations of getting anything back. Like I've never went back to Earl and said, "Hey, Earl, remember?" Like, <laughs> like no, like dude, I just did it and that's it. You know, it's it's done. I'm not gonna, you know, go back and try to make anything of it. It's just trying to do good things for people. Um, so you're saying there's a side of the Ramon that we all don't know about. Well, they, he shows you know the life because that's very interesting, interesting stuff. But uh, just me seeing him personally, he does go above and beyond for a lot of people that he doesn't know. Um, so I'm more conservative. If I don't know, really know you that much, you know, I'm usually more hiding away. But I, I, I honestly, it feels so good to help people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like every year we give over 40 Christmas trees during Christmas. We leave them all in the front of my house. People come and they just pick up a Christmas tree during mm-hmm. the holidays. I'll do giveaways for the family in Mexico. Like, who needs anything? Uh, we'll go to Mexico, do parties. Um, yesterday, I saw a post. Uh, can somebody buy this puppy? I don't have any money for food anymore. I can't afford it, blah, blah, blah. I zelled them over 100 bucks for here, and I put for food, dog food. Yeah. So it's just like random little things I don't really tell anybody. He does like a lot of uh, secret giveaways. Like if you know someone that doesn't have money and goes through hardship and then he just needs the proof if it's in our country or something like that. 
like the little girl in Mexico, they went and bought her TVs and clothing for school and they record the video and and that's it. But I mean, he just usually likes to have a lot of people. You're a secret Santa. You have to to give give back. And what I've realized about the universe of you really even manifestation and the energies and all that, um, I used to think that the bigger the gesture, the bigger the reward would be that you get back. But then soon I realized, like, even if it's something small, like opening the door for someone, you know, helping somebody with this, like, oh, they don't have enough at the register here. What do you need? Little things like the universe rewards you massively. Like the universe doesn't measure your blessing to someone with your return. The universe just throws <laughs> blessings. There's no ROI. At, there's no ROI. You can't measure it. Like you can do the smallest thing that might feel like no big deal. You help somebody get up. The universe will send so many more times like the amount. Just because you do something big doesn't mean you're going to get it back. So even like the smallest thing just gives you the, the biggest blessing. Like I've never celebrated my birthday. My last one was when I was 10 years old. And it was crazy because this year, I don't know, he's like, we're going to celebrate your birthday. <sighs> and I was like, I was scared because coming from this guy, I'm the like, I don't insane. know what to expect. So that's the one where Annette, the whole office went. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. The Vegas birthday of all of time. I don't know if you heard of that. And I was so scared, but uh, Ramon... This crazy, it's on your Instagram, right? Oh my god, yeah. We hired, can we say midget on the show? I mean, he's small, he tiny. we hired a <laughs> tiny human <What's> stripper. The, <laughs> it was a stripper, it was a stripper. Um, I didn't hear about this. We show up to the penthouse, tiny human shows up and starts going I had no after clue all the chicks. What's gonna happen with all these things? And it's just during the trip, just bombing oh with bad. crazy, crazy things. And I was, we were, yeah. as we were staring at the little man, just go to town on that and everyone <laughs> we're, we're staring at each other and we're like did we just become the wolf of wall street uh, like, yeah, something was going on that's one way to live life it was an insane an insane experience but this is the thing though all right this is people might say oh it must be nice well this is the thing uh you know people that spend without checking their balance also work without checking the clock mm-hmm. you know like don't think that just because you, you spend you could also be lazy there's no reward for the lazy. Like people that have something probably paid a hundred times right. face value for what they have. Yeah. All right. Because first of all, you have to fail so many times to the point to where all, it almost breaks you to the point where you've been at, at your office by yourself at night with tears in your face because you haven't made any money and your your family expects you to become successful. Like you will pay like a hundred times over what you get before you get what's coming to you. And so... People that want easy money, the easy way out. What's the next scam? Is it wholesaling? Let's do this. Let's get that free money. What is it, crypto? Like, you will never no. make money doing that. And if you do, it's going to be a little glitch of something that happened. But in reality, you need to pay for success in advance. Everything um, wants to the price. One thing we were talking about was uh, uh, how to wholesale within the Hispanic community. Mm. So that's something you guys have, you know, made a name for you guys, name for yourselves. Yeah. So talk to me about that. How did that come to, come to pass? Um, well, before we started the Dispo Company, um, somebody called us the Mexican Kegley, and we were <laughs> yeah. like, "Who called you the Mexican Kegley?" There were several Max. several people would several <laughs> people would call us, and these guys because these guys have Mexican people that buy. Well, because we started our journey with the lender, right? I remember so that. So she had a lot of qualified people that might have not gotten a house, or maybe they didn't qualify, but they had a lot of money. You know, landscapers have 50 to 100K at all times. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere. So those were the people that we were selling deals. So sometimes we would get the scraps because we didn't know anybody and we'd get the crappiest deal. We were able to sell that 
to people, and that was the way we made a living. You were saying you were selling it to owner occupied, owner occupied, and buyers. Well, well, usually most of them already have properties. Um, usually they, they want investment properties okay. and they're rentals. Most mm -hmm. of the people have a lot of money. Hispanics have a lot of money and they already have houses. A lot of people think that, that they're going to live in it, but most of them is for investment purposes. They have $100,000, $200,000. Like Chava has so much money and he was still working, you know, fixing stuff. My so like, private money lender is a landscaper. Oh, his private money lender. Yeah. He's, uh, I helped him sell eight it? of his properties. Eight he his had properties? about a million plus in. And I asked Top him, dollar. I was so afraid to, to ask for private money, but I seen all your episodes about private money yeah. and raising private money that I was like, I'm going to ask, hey man, <laughs> I helped you sell all these houses. Like, what are you doing with that money? And he's like, what do you, you want a loan? Mm -hmm. Like, well, you've seen that we're serious. Like, would you? Yeah. What are your terms? This landscaper was savvy. I'm like, he doesn't oh my speak God. English. He, he doesn't speak sense. English. He was savvy. What, 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 what percent? What would you offer me? Then he became my private money guy. Just like that. I ask, and then now that's all we use for funding most of the time. So, predominantly, you have other people sending you deals, and then you would leverage your relationship between your lender that you established as a realtor, yep, as well as your private money lender, yep, and now you're selling your deals to other Hispanics, yep, within the community. Absolutely, I think that's that's a huge niche that we've carved for ourselves, and people that hang out with us and learn from us go that route as well. They go hit up their friends that are Hispanics, that are doing construction, that are doing flips, and they're able to make more money and bigger spreads by mm -hmm. working with these people that are end buyers. Um, our lender, my gosh, he's been very successful La by working I together. Think, I think most people don't know that, mm -hmm. I mean, if you do a demographic United States, how many Hispanics are here that don't speak English or that just speak Spanish, it's a huge number and there's a huge void that anybody can provide them any service. Like, uh, for example, my dad, he bought his house with the Harmony loan, um, and he had it, like, for six years. They gave him, like, a long six years term, but it was hard money, so he didn't have anybody to help him. So there's, like, so many people that don't have anybody to help them. You know, they're Hispanics. So if you can get a niche, a uh, small share of that market, you're going to do great. I mean, right now, for Hispanic community doesn't have enough people to help them. And yeah. it's all about adjusting, too. I mean, you right now, it, it's a game of buyers. Right, because there's a lot of deals like for people that are trying to become wholesalers and get the systems. And dude, go to a list. There's like a hundred deals at 200k right now in Maryville. Yeah, Ridiculous. Why would you want to go pay 10k to lock a person at 200 when they're selling you the deal at 200 right now? Mm -hmm. Right now, what people need are end buyers that are willing to pay, that are still buying, they're still in the game. A lot of the savvy ones are out, and they're just kind of waiting and seeing where the floor is. But if you could grab those buyers that can't afford and are still buying. I mean, that's how you're going to be able to stay afloat. So we, we've shifted our business model drastically within the past three months mm -hmm. to have more of those end buyers by targeting more of those end buyers. A lot of people forget that we had like the highest selling properties in Maryville for 500000 There's houses selling for 500000 in Maryville. 900 square so feet. So if you think about it, these people bought all those houses. They dropped in 500000 into their bank account. They're living somewhere else, but they have money to invest on rentals or something else. So you can tap in into all these people that actually, you know, sold at the top, but there's nobody really marketing to these people already sold and made money. I've sold so many houses in Maryville for under a hundred thousand. Just awful. Mm, yeah. It's awful. Realtor days, right? 2007, mm -hmm. 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a slightly different time. Yeah. 110, 40K on 51st <laughs> Avenue in his school. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So then identifying, you're saying that like not enough people are identifying these uh, people to lend. Right, because mm -hmm. they got the money. So, are they lending or are they buying? 
talking with the people that sold their house for half a million in Maryville. They're buying. I mean, they're, buying. they're looking for opportunities. They know they sold five, for 500000 Right now, the best market is to buy low. It's amazing if the interest goes up to 10, then the house is going to get even lower. So, you know, how high can the interest really go? Even if it goes to 13, well, the house is going to dip a little bit. But eventually, they're going to go back to normal. You know, you'll get two, three years. Um, but you would have bought somewhere at the bottom close enough. Um, so for these people that have money, you know, you just present to them that idea or So how would you, right now, right? Someone's listening right now. How would they go and um, locate, uh, identify, locate? So, I mean, there's skip tracing. There's the realtor that helped them sell. Okay, so you're saying reach out to the realtor. I was going to say, like, how are you finding people that already sold, right? They're no longer on it, record. It shows on their, the realtor that helped them sell and the buyer's agent as mm -hmm. well. So they have you have some kind of connect. And when you speak with a realtor, they speak your language. So they you explain what you're doing. Hey, would your client that used to live in this market want to buy something at discounted when they mm -hmm. sold at 500 and now they're seeing something at 200? They'd be like, okay, right. cool. Let me see if they fell in love with that neighborhood. Maybe they did. You know, a lot yeah. of people do. Like for me, uh, I'm actually buying a, a unit uh, where I used to live in just to rent it out because I remember, you know, like I'm the buyer now. See, right. that's super cheap. And I think also, I mean, there's so many lenders out there that don't have relationship with wholesalers. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if we were to start over, I mean, we would get deals that it would throw on our lap just because we were sitting there in front of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, you guys want to go deal with that one? Sure. Right. Yeah. So I think just hitting up these lenders are, are key. Yeah, people are hitting up realtors all day long. That's great. But lenders, I mean, lenders are gold. Lenders know if you qualify, you don't, where's the money coming from, structure the deal. They know a little bit more than realtors usually. And and a lender works with twenty realtors. I mean, mm -hmm. realtors just you are the realtors. How many people can you work with? Actually, right. so I actually at the peak I was working with a lender that had a list of two hundred buyers, and we couldn't find houses for them because there wasn't enough because all the houses were you know multiple mm -hmm. offers. So if you work with lenders that have a big pipeline, you can structure some deals, pull them out. So uh, a great starting point then for someone listening today is to go talk to lenders. And talk to lenders. Talk to the, see their buyer database yeah. or find out what they need in their buyer database. Or are you just saying, hey, I got a deal that fits this box. Do you have any buyer for it? Or Well, they know who sold their house to buy another house. They know how much money people have in their bank accounts. They're asking questions. Hey, are you looking for a rental? Do you want me to keep an eye out? Like they know all the personal information for people. So that's how they approach us. Hey, man, I have this guy. He has 100K from I mean, this other house that he sold to buy another one. The, the, best buy deals, the best wholesale deals that we got were from lenders. Because you as a, let's say you own your house, but then you want to refi because you really need the money, but then you just got fired, blah, blah, blah. The lender actually needs you to qualify again for a refi. It's not like, oh, the house is equity. They're going to say, hey, you don't qualify. You don't have the job. Or maybe you don't have the credit anymore. So what do they do? They just turn you away. Mm -hmm. So with these lenders that we work with, we let them know, hey, don't just turn them away. They might want to sell quick and not with the realtor. So that's how we're getting like hot leads of somebody that was turned away because they can't refi or the interest is too high right now. Something's happening. So they might just want to, you know, give you a good deal. So, but you have to get creative with it too. Yeah, yeah, right. Think that's how the box. Like, yeah, go talk to lenders. At one point, we were at the swap meets with signs. Are you looking to buy a house Sorry. for cash? And we had signs Annette at the swap meet. Annette was at the swap meet for well, a couple of weeks. Hey, look, want to buy fixer uppers? Like, get creative with it, and you know, don't leave any stone unturned. Want to buy ranches? But a lot land, of people, a lot of people, like I said, man, they just want to take the easy way out. Right. How do I make it quick? Quick and easy. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a system for those type of buyers, a system where you're just going to like email people. Like uh, we've gone away from email blasting. I think it's got too saturated like other things like text yeah. blasting and all that. 
So we're more of the community base now. Uh, we even have our parents doing the the door to door, you know, thing they put on the door because they just want to be out there. But my parents made bank. <laughs> oh like yeah. A couple of months ago, they were, my my dad's a plumber and he, they also help us fix houses. And he was doing a plumbing job for this house that was horrible. Oh yeah. And he was talking to to the owner, and she was like, "Yeah, I just need to fix this plumbing thing because I think I need to sell it. I want to get out of here, the neighborhood, blah blah." And he's like, "Hey, my my son, they buy houses. Do you want like to call you? Maybe they give you a good offer." Oh yeah. We called that day, locked them that day. Sold it within a couple of days, and we told our dad, "We're like, dude, whatever deals you get, like we'll go fifty fifty with you." Yeah. It's a warm lead, and there was, there was like Super fifty warm. grand in that deal, and he made twenty five thousand, yeah. just like that. And he's like, "I'm gonna do more of this." Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that, like you hire a plumber, but you can't really afford to fix the whole pipe. So you're like, hey, just patch it up. But you're like in a nice house, but you don't want anybody to know, and you're just chopping out with the plumber. You're telling them your issues, and then they just say, "Hey, I have a guy with my interest in buying." So that's the warmest lead you can get. Um, a lot of people don't know. You can reach out to roofers. Boots I mean, on the ground, pretty much. Those are boots on the ground. He's done two deals in six months already from mm-hmm. people that he just done, done jobs for. Yeah. So, so, I mean, he's made like a good amount just on it. So letting everyone know what you do, obviously, mm-hmm. is important. And financially incentivizing them. But as far as the lenders, like what a... I guess they're they're getting paid their commissions, yeah. right? When they do the transaction. So I I thought maybe some of these guys were like ITIN situations. So it's not an ITIN situation. These are just people that want to buy a house. They just couldn't find, couldn't yeah. find one. They couldn't they, find one. They might be ITIN situations too. There's hard money lenders out there that are loan for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, so they might be ITIN. And, and the biggest thing it would be sharpening your skills, but also having that other tool on your tool belt. You know, if you got to pull out that real estate, I'm gonna list it. I'm gonna find you a house as a buyer and connect people. So that's what we do with a lot of traditional buyers. We'll just connect them to a deal that we know you can get it cheaper with an FHA or conventional. All we did was, hey, can you see this property? We're, we're able to pick it up for less. And then the traditional realtor shows it to their buyer. And now we're able to get some commission on that. Yeah. If we have 10 of those, that's still some pretty good commission. Just because this market calls out for more of that stuff right now. But yeah. I mean, look at the pitch too. Let's say right now somebody doesn't qualify. Something's going on. They're going through divorce. Some crazy stuff's happening. But they have 50 grand in the bank. Right, so why qualify traditionally for a thirty-year at eight percent when I could just get you a house quickly, maybe under market value with equity for ten percent? And think about it—a year out, two years out—to get you a loan like that, it's still not that much of a difference from the payment when you well, think about yeah. it right now, especially. Well, for most of those, um, we recommend that they'll purchase, they'll do some kind of uh, bank statement loan refi. And that should be it. If they want to, but if you get them in for a ten percent five year, with with somebody a private hard money guy at ten percent, I mean their payment difference isn't that really that that high. Well, so people are more open to that right now. Or the best way would be someone buys it for them and then just leases it back to them for a year or two. Right, yeah. right now is the perfect time because you can get the ten percent or the eight percent. Why go through all the hassle for an extra two percent when it's probably going to be ten percent anyways in a few months? You know. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just saying legally you can't live in the house if it's for investment purposes. Unless your hard money person allows it. But no. No. <laughs> I'm just saying no. that right now. I'm Not a right realtor. <laughs> okay. No. And but that's why Rodrigo's here. That's why I'm here. So you mentioned that uh, right before things reset in June, you had just bought five properties. Do you sell those five properties? We've been slowly getting out of it. Yeah. Slowly. I have that like you two, bought. That you two? bought. You have one. 
that were, you were already stuck with because of long-term litigations that you barely uh, won the lawsuits. Some lawsuits. Yeah, you still have one. So you have three right you now. You said the words. Are you still stuck with them and my eyes are Yeah, with the five, you have one left. Well, I wasn't sure if you were twitching or if you were crying. I wasn't <laughs> oh, sure. My, I just like remember. He has one of the five and then the uh, other two were things that we were stuck in litigation. Just long two-year process with some houses. I ended up renting one, two of them. And then Clutter the other, title the other ones like I managed to sell, but I'm still stuck in one. So what are you guys doing right now as far as pivoting? Um, I mean, you got to pull out, pull out that realtor card. Uh, for me, that brings me a lot more business. Um, buyers are king nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm helping a lot of other wholesalers that are stuck in these types of deals. And they just let me know, hey, how can we it's, it's scary how, how we get out of these houses? Um, I've helped a lot of, you could say help, but they lost money. I'm, I'm just here to mitigate how much money you're going to lose. How much do you want to lose? You want to lose 60 or you or you can lose 30 right now in, in your investment, right? Initial mm -hmm. investment. So on one of the houses, Ramon, I told, hey, you you just want to like cut this thing and stop with that $5,000 a month. So we just brought in a, a traditional buyer. Uh, he's not making any money. Just take the house basically. Yeah. And then we're done. Like we, you don't need those extra baggage. Stuff. We got one of those right now that we're still trying to sell, right? And they mm -hmm. asked for 11000 on the Binzer. I was like, you guys are crazy. But... Also, like, we'll probably take it because we want to get it, right? So, like, it's so we, we negotiated, right. but I mean, it's like, yeah, you have just, to, how much well, you have well, to, yeah. we're going to lose. You how have much to you be smart lose. enough yeah. to know when you're not riding the wave anymore, when you just try to get it out of the wave. Because you might be on the wave or you might be at the bottom of the wave. So you either realize that here comes the wave on top of you and you yeah. move out of it or you just don't even see it and you get squished. We're just, we just focusing on generating more cash. These things, we're, we'll get rid of them, but we got to steep keep generating more money. So a couple of times we talked about you having uh, your realtor license. Mm. Uh, one thing I have found is that realtors and wholesalers are like oil and water. Oh, you know, yeah. they like, they both dislike the other side, but you wear both hats. Yeah. How has that helped you in your business? It, it, it's funny you say that. Cause it's, I see it's it very like true. HR. No, no, no. It's, it's very, <laughs> it's very true. I remember uh, we were working on both sides. Too. We had an office. I was on one side, hundred percent realtor. He was trying to do his wholesale stuff that had zero deals. So I, he's like, Hey, you got to get in this. I told him, dude, once you start making more money than me, I'll listen to you. And I told him like that. That was the first time. Kanye I, style. I, 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 told, <laughs> I stood up to him because he was like trying to, Hey, I'm, that thing, you're, you're like running out of money fast. So it's funny. The first, uh, I remember it was January. He was moving back and forth, calling title. And then, Something else happening. And then he came over and said, oh my gosh, you got to cancel your license right now. Stop being a realtor. You're going to be a wholesaler. I said, it's crazy. I go with my little tie, you know. He's like, get over here. I go to his office and he opens a little weird Excel on his old computer. I'm like, okay, what are you doing now, man? And then I was seeing him running back and forth all month long. And he's like, dude, all the deals I've been working on is going to close this week. All of them. So he had above $100,000 in closings. You crazy for wholesale, and I saw it, and I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I'm a real doesn't like, hey, he's like, I just made more than you in one month, and I was so shocked. I'm like, he's like, you know what that means, and I'm just his like, his brain oh. was rewired. I said, I know, spot. I have to like turn off my realtor brain and learn how to become a wholesaler. So I was just shadowing him for like, uh, for the next six months. It was a re. Um, brainwashing my mind again i took him to all the trainings in the country and that's Whoever why we, training, we went to that pay. training and and then he was going to these uh masterminds or, or wholesale trains around the country mm -hmm. and then Two, we, three, we didn't have enough money all. but he was like i told him, well, you go you get all the information i spent fifty thousand of that hundred thousand that yeah. month on two-day intensive well he told me hey I, I i don't have to go you just get the information bring it back he said my fear is i'll get something else and you will get something else 
Or I'll so, miss something. So I need you to be the other person with the other mindset. And it was funny because we both took notes and, and I got something completely different with the systems. And he got something completely different. And then we're like, okay, we're good to go. But I really had to pivot my brain. You know, that whole fiduciary, you feel weird. And and uh, how to speak with the buyers, the seller. How do you feel about making more money? And then uh, I know realtors usually, they're like robots. You know, and then if you don't talk to them in a certain language, it's called the realtor language. And he's like, you know how to speak realtor. Okay, so, okay, I'm on the phone. Oh, hey, how's it going? And then just the realtor language. Um, but I tell a lot of wholesalers, you have to learn their language and know their needs of a realtor. They're going to need SPDSs. They need a binser. If you don't say addendums, they're going to feel weird and get, they're going to say, this is fishy. I don't want to work with you. This Immediately. Is, this is my solution to dealing with realtors. Sending in a, send them an addendum followed by a cancellation letter. <laughs> and he's like, no, I can call him and ask. I'm like, that's my way. I'm like, yeah, let's do it a hedge fund style. Send him the addendum and followed by the cancellation. That's how they used to do it to us. Have there been situations though where <laughs> like, because you have your realtor experience mm. that has helped you on the wholesaler side? Oh yeah, 150%. Can you give, I, can you give I, some examples of that? I advise a lot of people, you need to get your realtor's license. Um, just working with realtors. I mean, if you're talking about assignments and you don't know how to explain to them, if you're talking about how you're going to get somebody paid, mm-hmm. you have to pay a realtor to, through their brokerage. You can do it differently through assignments and all these other documents. Then they feel like it's fraud. It's nothing like it's giving fraud. them what they want and how they want things presented because maybe they want it for their W-2s or whatever. They're, the main problem is getting paid. And if they're not getting these documents from you and you're a wholesaler and you don't know about all these documents that their file needs, they're going to get pissed and they're never going to work with you. So for us, we're very lucky to inform these realtors and teach them and they grew with us. And now they know that it's it's easy for them. And to understand yeah. what these documents are, because I never understood any of that. Like, what the, I need this document for my file. What? Sign it yourself. And, and that's, how, like, no. that's how we created so many uh, relationships with a lot of traditional realtors. This is why I never brought you into my brokerage. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I, had a, I had to keep tabs on all that stuff. For me, it's always been continued He's education. Like, no. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> uh, so much that uh, I learned the lending side, like yeah. traditional lending. I, I even took all the classes. I never like finished the last test to become a loan officer, but I needed to know what lending was so I can don't screw up on the realtor side. Well, he's yeah. always studying. Like he even took all the broker classes too. Like he's always I, trying I already to learn passed more all the broker more classes. More. I just haven't done the test. He's well, the reason trying. why I'm asking this question is because I have found it to actually be pretty beneficial, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about like where deals get complicated on the wholesale side. Mm-hmm like really easy on the realtor side and vice versa, right? Like there's, there, there, you got properties, yeah, there are challenges, right? This could be a wholesale, this could be a traditional, but I have found there are certain instances, even though, even though it's a wholesale deal, like, oh yeah, you just structure it this way. And these mm-hmm. are things that I learned mm-hmm. from the realtor side. And right now I would say in this particular market, with the way things are going and Dispo being more valuable than acquisitions, working with buyers all these years as a realtor, you understand the psychology yeah. And you can explain it in such a way as like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Whereas before, you know, it was order taking. This has been order taking for the last three years. Yeah, like and all the order takers are gone. All, well, all people aren't taking orders anymore. There's the, where are the orders? <laughs> oh, you haven't done deals in three months. Oh, I guess you were an order taker. Yeah. yeah. So I think that there's a lot of uh, valuable uh, oh, translation yeah, sure. skills right now. Um, it's It's been interesting, man. Uh, but honestly, people grow from it. You know, like even if things are going bad and difficult and people are in a tough situation, that might have gotten purged during these crazy last few months. I mean, it all happens for a reason. 
Yeah. All right, just because you aren't the right person for this doesn't mean you're not the right person for something else. You know, so people out there, don't get discouraged, man. Keep going. Hell, you know, everybody goes through that. It's just part of the growing process. I mean. I think everyone had to lean up in the last months quick. And yeah, then uh, just lean. It, it's testing the teams. Uh, if you haven't leaned up and there's still people that are order takers or just, you know, collected that check, you know, don't have them there. Don't waste their time either. Um, for us, I always made sure that I was telling somebody why I, I was giving them a certain type of advice. Hey, what should I do? And then it'll be like a five minute whole conversation of why I, I decided that so that they would learn. So we're lucky that our team, you know, stood with the, with us and they're still learning. But I, on my realtor side brain, I tell them why I'm giving that answer so that they can choose like right. in, on their own. So I got one question before we go to the audience. So you did not want to be in the news. Uh, oh, not for that. It was flattering at the beginning <laughs> until they were chasing me. We know where you live. This is your address, huh? Like, oh my god! How they but my I saw you again uh, with your son and furniture. Oh, Here yeah. we go again. So oh, talk to me about my that. Twitching again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was in Vegas celebrating our anniversary, and at ten o'clock at night, while we're eating in this fancy French restaurant inside the wind, I get a call from the police, and I don't answer. Because I'm scared. And so I hear the voicemail. Well, it's normally unknown, right? Uh, no, unknown. this is the cops for yeah. sure. And voicemail comes in. We have found your son speeding in your Range Rover through the neighborhood at over 100 miles an hour. Like, oh, my God. And so by this point, we already had gone through a lot of little issues with him as he's rebelling because of the teenage years. So the wife's like, you deal with it. You deal with Probably it. Probably not that different than you. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, maybe she would have. The, yeah. Done it a little bit different. <laughs> so she's like, you, you deal with them. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, okay. I show up. I say, okay, well, you don't want to listen, blah, blah. This is what we're going to do. You, you're not allowed to have anything anymore. So I gave all his stuff away. Uh, it, was, it was still crazy because the news got called by a neighbor or someone. They show up, what's going on? And I made him write on a sign apologizing to the neighbors. I'm sorry I was speeding to the neighborhood. I was trying to shake it out of them because, I mean, like, if you don't shake it out of them, they just... It was going in the bad situ in the in a bad situation. Like Very they would sure. bring him in the middle of the night because he was in a fight with somebody. I didn't even know he stuck out. It was just going from bad to worse. And I'm like, this is the wake up call he needs. So I give all this stuff away. News shows up, it goes viral. I was getting calls from England, from every Around state the in the world. country. Local, I was in every radio station. I was the talk of every radio station locally. And all of a sudden I was doing interviews nationally mm -hmm. about this topic. Uh it kind of backfired. Because I thought he was going to learn his lesson. But then he shows up to school, and he's the most popular kid in school now. He was little little Tate you know, at like, school. <laughs> um, and so he was the badass. The was bad boy. That's right. right. I, that's me. I ride around in, in Range Rovers. Now, a girlfriend and everything. I'm like, what did I do? Like, this totally backfired. Didn't work? It did not work at right at the moment. And now? Eventually, it they, did. It did work. You have to go through he things. You have to go through things. Uh, for him to grow and find his him, his identity, mm -hmm. and now he's great, great person. Like, we're, but we had to go through these growing pains of him going from a kid to now a young adult. You know, yeah. um, but but yeah, now that was great, and now we look back and we laugh at it. Um, I mean, I, I think it's awesome, right? Like, obviously, it's complicated, potentially traumatizing, but we're doing our best as fathers, right? Yeah. And you're trying to instill values. Your boy. Right, somebody that doesn't care wouldn't do anything. Ah, oh, knock it off. Yeah, he's just you know he's just a teenager. 
Dude, right. you know how heavy that furniture was? <laughs> I took off all that for the second story, second floor. Yeah. I saw. It was it was <laughs> painful for me to drag all that down. But but he's not going to be driving 100 miles an hour in a residential anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to jump into the audience questions. Before we jump into the audience questions, we're going to do a quick commercial break. The changes in the real estate market has interrupted your business. You're unsure how to acquire more properties, especially in this uncertain environment. Our two-day Sales Disruptors event on December 8th and 9th is going to teach you the exact process so that you can close more deals and grow your business. You'll learn exactly how to overcome the seller's objections as well as establish yourself as the authority figure so that they'll trust you no matter what. And for the first time ever due to high demand, we're going to be teaching you our disposition sales process so that you know how to communicate effectively with the end buyer. Sign up today at disruptors.com slash sales disruptors so that you'll have all the tools to crush it in 2023. 